Isotretinoin, better known as Accutane, is used to treat cystic acne. It is also a potent teratogen, and exposure during pregnancy can lead to a range of severe craniofacial, cardiac, and central nervous system problems. It may also lead to increased rates of abortion, whether spontaneous or elective. There are programs and guidelines in place to prevent the devastating effects of fetal isotretinoin exposure, but there are doubts about the effectiveness of these programs in Canada. I'm Dr. Kirsten Patrick, Deputy Editor for CMAJ, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Brandis Winquist, Research Consultant with the Saskatchewan Health Quality Council, a maternal perinatal health researcher, and a collaborator with the Canadian Network for Observed Drug Effect Studies, or CNODES. In a research article she co-authored, Dr. Winquist and her colleagues sought to evaluate pregnancy prevention programs in Canada. Hi, Brandis. Good morning. Brandis, to begin, can you tell us what motivated you and your colleagues to study this research question? Yeah, that's a good place to start. The study was conducted by the Drug Safety and Effectiveness Network at the request of Health Canada to provide better information about pregnancy outcomes during isotretinoin use. We agreed that it was an important topic of research because isotretinoin is a medication that's commonly used to treat severe acne, and many users are females of childbearing age. It's actually one of the most widely prescribed teratogenic drugs in North America. Taken orally, it can cause a range of birth defects and cognitive deficits in exposed children. It also increases risk for miscarriage and premature birth. So while these risks are well-known by clinicians, studies in Western countries have repeatedly shown that pregnancy prevention programs haven't been as effective as we would expect in preventing fetal exposure. There has been one prior population-based study in Quebec, but not much was known about the situation in the rest of Canada. What are the current recommended measures for preventing pregnancy during isotretinoin treatment? Back in 1988, the original manufacturer introduced a worldwide pregnancy prevention program in response to an increasing number of reports of isotretinoin-related birth defects. It was adopted by Health Canada shortly after and requires the use of a patient consent form. The guidelines stipulate that the patient must have had two negative pregnancy tests before starting treatment, is using two reliable forms of contraception, and really that she understands the risk to her baby if she becomes pregnant while taking the medication. She also needs to be made aware that this risk extends up to four weeks after her last dose. In order to ensure that a pregnancy is identified as soon as possible, the patient should be scheduled for regular monthly pregnancy testing. Your study design was a retrospective one. Which data did you look at and what did you find? We used medical services, hospital and vital statistics data from four provinces, including British Columbia, Saskatchewan, Manitoba and Ontario. In total, there were just under 60,000 female isotretinoin users between the ages of 12 and 49. The study found that between 4 and 6 per 1,000 users were pregnant during the course of treatment. To be sure that we counted all potential exposures, we did a longer follow-up to capture pregnancy losses and births that happened after stopping the medication. The rates got much higher. Of the 1,473 potentially exposed pregnancies, 70% were medically terminated, 20% were lost spontaneously, and the remaining 10% resulted in a live birth. 
So in total, that was 11 babies who were born with abnormalities. But we don't know if these cases were, were the direct result of isotretinoin exposure. Another key finding was that less than one-third of all female users filled a prescription for an oral contraceptive while taking isotretinoin. Again, the Canadian guidelines recommend the use of two reliable forms of contraception. So we recognize that some users may not have been sexually active, and some may have chosen other forms of contraceptives, such as barrier methods or IUDs. Still, the figure suggests that compliance with the guideline is imperfect, and this is reflected in the fairly consistent pregnancy rate over the 16-year study period. Were you surprised that the rate of birth defects that you noted in your study wasn't higher? Well, the teratogenic effect of isotretinoin is well established. Previous research has found that between 25 to 40 percent of fetuses exposed during the first trimester will be diagnosed with a birth defect. Our study found that 9% of live-born babies had a birth defect, but it's likely that this figure would have been higher if anomalies in all spontaneous and medical abortions could have been accounted for. Without being able to verify the details of drug use directly from the patient, we don't know if women who gave birth were at lower risk for these outcomes than those who chose to end the pregnancy. For instance, those continuing their pregnancies may have had uh, somewhat shorter exposures to the drug or used the drug later in the pregnancy. It's important to keep in mind, though, that even in the absence of such an exposure, approximately 4% of all babies in Canada will be born with a congenital anomaly. So it's good that you've brought up that context. You went to great lengths to identify pregnancies within your data. Why was it so hard to figure out who had been pregnant? It is genuinely difficult to identify pregnancy exposures in administrative data. This is because women self-diagnose, and we didn't have gestational age information on most early pregnancy losses. A variety of diagnostic codes were used to capture prenatal visits to physicians or midwives, as well as pregnancy outcomes in the hospitalization data. But since the average patient takes this medication for just three to four months, we followed isotretinoin users up to 42 weeks after treatment to capture births that were exposed early on. Based on these methods, we estimated the rate of exposed pregnancies to be between 4 and 25 cases for every 1,000 female users. Over 70% of the pregnancies were medically terminated, implying that both the patients and their health professionals had serious concerns. So in the light of the findings of your study, do you think that isotretinoin is being prescribed appropriately? And if not, then what can doctors do differently in clinical practice to ensure that it is? Isotretinoin is a highly effective treatment for acne, which is why it's so widely prescribed. It's been approved for the treatment of severe forms of scarring acne that aren't responding to standard therapy. But in recent years, it has also been used for mild to moderate acne, a practice that expands the user population and the risk of exposure during pregnancy. Our study found that one-third of patients prescribed isotretinoin had not received another medication in the 12 months prior. In knowing the risk for pregnancy during treatment, physicians should try safer first and second-line acne treatments before moving on to isotretinoin. Now, in terms of what could be done differently, 
Our study helps clinicians to understand the continued risk for pregnancy during isotretinoin treatment. This risk has not gone away or even diminished in the past 16 years. Physicians must be vigilant in following the pregnancy prevention guidelines as per the product labels. It's vitally important that patients who are able to become pregnant are carefully informed about all contraceptive options and their associated failure rates. The effectiveness of contraceptive methods depends both on the inherent effectiveness of the method itself and on how consistently and correctly it's used. So physicians must counsel their patients and really determine which method is suitable for them. For instance, women who frequently miss taking their oral contraceptives might consider an alternative method that is less dependent on the user to be effective, uh, such as an IUD or an injectable. Finally, physicians must adhere to the practice of doing two pregnancy tests prior to starting this medication. A Quebec study by Dr. Anique Berard and colleagues found that a third of all women who became pregnant were already pregnant when they started the treatment. And this figure was as high as 60% in a 2014 study in the Netherlands. So careful adherence to the guidelines can help to prevent this from happening. It seems to me like pharmacists could play a role too in ensuring the proper use and counseling of patients. Have other countries implemented programs that have been more successful than what your study shows for Canada? Other countries have implemented variations of the original pregnancy prevention program. However, all struggle with the same problem of fetal exposure. The United States has tried three different risk management systems uh, with the latest called iPledge, having very strict requirements for prescribers. Unfortunately, pregnancy rates haven't improved significantly under this new approach. Isotretinoin is an effective acne treatment that's used by most without consequence. Having said that, though, birth defects and other impairments, however rare they are, can have profound and lasting consequences for families and, uh, and individuals taking these medications. So isotretinoin can be acceptably safe, but it really depends on doctors, pharmacists, and patients. Now, talking about patients, what is the responsibility of patients who are taking isotretinoin? Patients have a vital role in preventing fetal exposure. This will include ensuring they use contraceptives correctly and consistently, and that they understand the risks if they are to become pregnant. We encourage patients who are wanting to use isotretinoin to consult with their healthcare provider or their pharmacist to better understand their treatment options and to decide if this medication is right for them. Of course, anyone who may become pregnant should be vigilant about all medications they use. Thanks for talking with me today, Brandis. And thank you, Kristen. I've been speaking with Dr. Brandis Winquist, research consultant with the Saskatchewan Health Quality Council, a maternal perinatal health researcher and a collaborator with the Canadian Network for Observed Drug Effect Studies. To read the research article she co-authored, visit cmaj.ca.